Welcome, everybody. I am Jesse Mogul, and thank you for joining us on the American Contingency Podcast. We are a united nationwide community of steadfast Americans ready for any challenge that comes our way. We inform, equip, and train so you can be prepared to respond and recover from any man-made or natural disaster or situation. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. Once again, I do not take it for granted that you spend a little bit of time with us here at the American Contingency Podcast. And boy, oh boy, do we have an amazing guest for you. Today, we are going to introduce you to Michael Lott. He is our Deputy Director and Operations Manager here at American Contingency. He's also a paramedic a volunteer fire chief, and he is a retired Marine. He is most proud of being a husband, a father, and a grandfather. And I will tell you, having worked with this man for about a year now, he really makes sure when we're in team meetings to highlight spending time with family and making sure we take opportunities to really relish in those that we love being around us. Mike, I can't believe we finally get you on the microphone. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jesse. Good to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I don't say that lightly, too, about the family. It was one of the very first things I noticed about you when I first started to meet with you when I first took over the social media opportunity. I just remember thinking, man, this guy really talks a lot about family. And you've said that. I remember before the holidays, you were really like, hey, guys, just take some time away from work. Go spend time with the family and really just love those that are around you. What created just this emotional draw for you to be so close to family and, and to care so much about how much other people are spending time with their families? I guess it goes back to my younger days. I joined the Marine Corps at 18, left, was gone for 22 years before I came back home. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was usually deployed 18 months, home for six, doing a workup and doing, deploying back out again for most of my whole career. So as my kids were growing up, I didn't spend a whole bunch of time at home. I was always doing something in, in another place. So I come to recognize that's what needs to happen. They need to spend time with their family. They do. They do need to spend time with their families. So Mike, all that time away from the family when you were in the Marines really just it created this desire to have a bond with family once you got back. Yes, sir, it did. And it made me realize that, you know, all the people who really put it out there, firemen, police department, any type of the military, they're away from their family all the time. They're out there doing their jobs and doing what they need to do to take care of the rest of America. Their family oftentimes gets left behind. And I try to stress people, that's what you need to be focusing on. We're doing AMCON so that we can not only do this for us now, but we're doing it so we have, our family has something left of America to, come, to stay into. So that's why family is important. We talk about family a lot. We talk about community a lot on the podcast. When you look back at what originally inspired you to work with American Contingency to take on the role of Deputy Director and Operations Manager, what was it that originally inspired you to step into AMCON in general, let alone such a high-profile leadership role? I started out here locally. I saw Mike do, Mike do his podcast, Get Off the Bent podcast. Um, I found some of the guys up in the northern area of Alabama that were having a meeting, and I went up there. It was right after January 6th. You know, everybody was talking about being afraid and us being targeted and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, look, guys, the first thing you need to do 
is you don't just don't do anything to anti-government. Build yourself around community, do what you need to do, and take care of one another. All the guys that were there, like, yeah, that's a good idea, good focus. That's what we really need to be doing. So we started doing that. Then they asked me to be a local leader down here because the local leader had just got a job promotion. He could dedicate the time. So I focused on that. Went from there to becoming a regional coordinator for the Southeast. I did that for about six months. Southeast kind of grew a little bit. We started populating all the Southeast states. And then we had a regional coordinators meeting in Utah. And me and Tom and Mike Glover were sitting around the desk. And the operations manager at the time had just resigned. And me and Tom started talking about me stepping into the role. So I stepped into the role and took over because I believe I believe in the community. I believe it's one of the best things that can happen to America because we need, to, as individuals, be prepared to, for any kind of circumstance that come up. And that goes into whether it be a natural disaster, it be you losing your job, it may be if anybody attacks America. You need to be prepared for anything from the very least thing to the very highest risk. I felt like I had the talent and some of the capabilities to do this. I've been doing prepping now for about 22 years. So I fell naturally right into the, into the role, I feel. You bring up two different things I want to split off from. So we're going to go over the first one that you mentioned, and then we're going to get into the preparedness, because I know recently you had a tornado weather issue around your home without electricity. And I want to tap into how American Contingency helped you with that and what you did in order to you know, move as effortlessly as you could through that situation. I remember wanting to get you on the microphone a few weeks ago, and you're like, man, I don't even have electricity right now. But first, I want to tap into what you had mentioned about the anti-American part, because I love how you brought that up and said, hey, we're not looking to be anti-government here. We're looking to make sure that we're prepared for anything that might come our way. This doesn't have to be against anyone. It's for ourselves. And for a little bit of time there, American Contingency was on a list of saying that we weren't doing good things, that we were actually nefarious, even though we were not nefarious and we did things on the up and up from the beginning. But messaging got out there and it went a little sideways. What was that like for you to know that you were working for a very you know, American company, a very American ideal, uh, but yet being targeted in such a way that it felt like it was like you were like, hey, I'm a former Marine. The guy who started this is a former Green Beret. There's a lot of former military in our ranks. Tom Rixby's a former military. So it wasn't anything against the country as much as it was just making sure people were prepared on an individual level within their community. What was that experience like for you? Well, to me, it basically the only thing I did is I automatically went into the member protection boat where I talked to every member I talked to. Only thing I did was tell them, look, Everybody has to make their own choices on what they want to do. If Amcon is not what you want, you have to make those choices for yourself. But for me, I know American contingency is not out there trying to be some group that's out there trying to cause hate and discontent. We're trying to build communities. And it doesn't matter what side of the political line you fall on, what your race, creed, color is. It doesn't matter. If you're in American contingency, we want you to be as secure 
and as safe as you can in your own home. And we want to help you build up those capacities to do so. And that's just the basic record thing I told everybody. You know, my number one thing is if you don't want anybody to see anything or come after you for doing anything, then don't do anything wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I am. I'm very open. Um, I wouldn't put anything on the internet that I don't want somebody to question me about. I don't say anything. I don't do anything that I don't want people to question me about. I'm basically an open book. I'm not the best person in the world. Never have claimed to be. I've, I've got my faults as everybody. We're all human. But what you do is you try to live the best life you can and try to treat everybody up for dignity and respect and make sure that, to me, it's about the membership. The last thing I want to do as being an operations director or being the deputy director is to place my membership in jeopardy by anything I say or do. So, you know, I try, I joke Tom a lot. I tell him I'm the umbrella for all the people from the bottom and I'm the umbrella for him for all the people coming up from the bottom. And I kind of try to protect both sides. So. Well, I really like that you brought in, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the political aisle you're on, race, creed, color, religion, you know, all, all of that stuff. Like everybody is welcome into American contingency because this is about local communities growing resources within themselves to be prepared for man-made natural disasters, all kinds of situations. And we're all under the American flag here. We're all doing our part to be a part of um, this amazing society. And yes, we see some faults in what's going on in America, uh, but we're not out here trying to be nefarious about it. We're just simply saying, oh, on a community level, what can you do to spark the change that's going to help your loved ones be prepared? Tom got very verklempt during his interview about not having to look at somebody and say you're sorry. And Noel got very verklempt during his interview about also that same messaging, not wanting to have to say that you're sorry. Recently, you had a natural disaster. I think it was a tornado. It sparked my memory on this. Recently, you had no electricity for quite some time. And I know you really were able to draw upon the community of American contingency to help you through that. Yep. We just went out to do a meeting in Texas. My wife and I drove all the way back from there, came home to a house where two days prior had a big tornado come across probably about three miles up the road from where we came across and not not the main power station now and a cell tower when i got home it was just like camping other than some of my members from my local group down here had come to the house and hooked up my generator to my deep freeze in my refrigerator and got that started for me if i look back two years ago I wouldn't have had those people who were able to come down and keep my food that I had stored in the freezers from going bad. Um, I had the generator, but I, the, I wouldn't have had the people to come down and take care of it for me while I was outside besides my kids. And they were trying to take care of their own stuff. So, I mean, I had community members come down here and do it. But like I said, I've always tried to be prepared and tried to be the one being the push to preparedness to other folks so that they were that way. And in the end, here comes the community stepping up for you 
and now bringing some of that emotional and psychological resilience to your table, because Lori and I talked a lot about this emotional and psychological resilience. And when you're hundreds, if not a thousand miles away from your house, whenever a storm comes by, how did that help you knowing you had people you could trust that you knew that were going to come over and make sure that your home was as taken care of as it could be considering the circumstances? Oh man, there's nothing in the world like feeling like you have somebody that's looking after your back. I mean, I, I can equate the same feeling that I had that day to going back to my early years when I was in the military and having buddies when we were out getting shot at, being able to step up and defend me. Some Knowing that somebody physically has your back and is protecting you and your livelihood and your family and that same feeling of knowing that you have confidence that somebody's looking out for you as much as you are for them. You work a lot with the regional coordinators, and that's something I wanted to highlight with you because of all the people that I'll have a chance to interview from AMCON to come on this show, you're the one who every Tuesday night you meet with all the regional coordinators. And for the audience who isn't as familiar with that, so somebody joins the membership and now they're one individual and they're looking to grow this community and the regional coordinators are going to be heavy handed in making sure that the new members come on, that they get to meet the people, they come to the meetings, that they get the information that they're seeking. Talk us through a little bit about what it looks like on that community level, what you're doing with the regional coordinators and how you're making sure that AMCON really is that low local community-focused organization that we claim to be? Well, number one thing I'm trying to bring with all the regional coordinators is that we're, number one, we're a team. There's six of us. We're working together to help each other formulate and strategize how to best help the citizens in the local areas. The local groups, the local chapters, those are the key members that are actually, they're the ones that are doing the work. They're the ones that are helping each other out on the local level. What the regional coordinators do is they direct, they're like a traffic cop that sit there, directs traffic and tries to help help formulate plans to better facilitate the members on the ground. I mean, what I do is I get directions. If I we all sit around, we talk about ideas on those Tuesday night meetings, come up with ideas and try to implement them on the local level so that they can serve their members. I mean, they're the ones that are, the regional coordinators are the ones that are driving force. No matter who has the idea, they're the ones that's going to get something done. If the members having problems from the local level and they're, coming up to their chapter leaders and their chapter leaders need assistance. They reach out to the regional coordinators, those guys and gals, the ones that make things happen. They talk to me. They tell me what's going on. They make sure I stay on my P's and Q's. As much as the people look at me as being the their boss, they're my boss too, because I can't do my job without having somebody to serve and to do things for. I love that you brought up the chapter leaders as well, because you've got the individual and they show up to the meetings and then there's the chapter leader for that individual meeting. And then those have a communication with the regional coordinators and then the regional coordinators communicate with you and you're able to get back with Tom and Mike Glover. And you, you mentioned the get off the bench video that he shot. 
seems to be the protagonist for most of the staff on AMCON to have gotten involved to begin with. Uh, when you go and you have this communication with your regional coordinators who are talking to the chapter leaders, what are some of the issues that they're noticing that are starting to you know, be more prominent in people's, let's say, worry index? Well, a lot of the a lot of the members, the worry index is mostly right now about income and economics. They're worried about not having the money to pay for the daily goods to keep themselves alive and take care of their families. And that's what you know most of the United States is worried about right now. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to help people look for better ways to take care of themselves without having to depend on the system. If you can grow a garden, if you can uh, do whatever you need to do without having to reach out and go into the store and buy whatever, I mean, the better off you are. My, one of my favorite things is people ask me, how did I get started? How did I get started and buying groceries and having food stores? And I always tell them, you go to the store, you go to the canned goods item where they have the discount canned goods. And when you're buying groceries, if you use an item off your shelf at home, replace it with three. I mean, if you buy it from the discount aisle, you're buying it for about 50 cents a can. And you've got the item you're replacing, and you've got two more that you can put up for stock and for later storage. Before long, you have a whole room full of food, and you have, you know, we start off with three days, then we go to 30, and then we go to three months, and and continue on building for there for that and you do that for every person in your household so that you've got enough food and water stored up that you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff and that's just a relief that you don't have to think about I remember I lived in Los Angeles for 13 years, and it did not seem that being prepared for natural or man-made disasters was as important there. Maybe it's because there was a grocery store on like every single corner, but country living, there's a different air about being prepared whenever you live in the country versus the city, which is interesting because I think a city can be even worse whenever things go sideways. What do you talk to whenever you meet someone new who might be a little bit skeptical, who might think that prepping, quote unquote, uh, you know, is only for those super intense people living in Idaho, but you know for a fact that it comes in very handy recently with your own issues with the tornado and how being prepared can help just make those, you know, things that could be disastrous for some just become more minor inconveniences as you camp with your wife for two weeks outside your house. The most recent thing in the last couple of years that I've kind of gone to my number one go-to is when people start saying, well, you know, why do I need to prep? I asked them, I said, okay, when COVID hit, did you have enough toilet paper? Nobody did. That's right. <laughs> did you have enough toilet paper? So, you know, uh, now I refer to that. I just throw it out there because, you know, who in the world would have thought the number one thing that people were going for when COVID hit would have been toilet paper. I um, wouldn't have. I couldn't believe it, man. I mean, I remember those pictures of people at the Costco's and the Sam's and the big box stores. And I was like, I never would have thought toilet paper would have been the thing people would have freaked out over. But now it makes total sense. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you stock up on whatever you stock up on whatever you use. Uh, you know, your typical 
to me, the typical guys that are on your thing, you know, everybody says, what's the first thing you need to do? Well, I'm going out and get 50 pounds of rice, 50 pounds of beans, and a bunch of water. Do you know what it would be like living with me if all I had to eat was beans and rice? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so when I tell people to stock up on things, I tell them to stock up on the things that they eat the most, that they like. I mean, myself and Robin, who's another staff member for Amcon, we live kind of close to each other, and we talk about it all the time. She's like, you know, we better find a way to make Pepsi, find something Pepsi, because Mike's a Pepsi-aholic. That's my my number one vice. Everybody else smokes and drinks or does whatever. My vice is I'm I'm a Pepsi-aholic. I'm stuck on it, just like any... Anybody else can get stuck on anything. And she said, we've got to have Pepsi around because if we don't, within three days, Mike's going to start going out and get, running down the street and getting pe- killing people because he just can't do without Pepsi. You know what I mean? So people are going to, it's going to, if things go where you can't get stuff or people can't get what they need, I mean, you need to have what you want. But you you need to stock up on what you need, what your family needs. There's no better way to tell the true nature of a person unless you put them in an uncomfortable situation, something they're not used to. And you do that, and you'll find out the true nature of that person, what they can stand, what they can't stand. That's a really good thing to bring up because it goes back to that emotional and psychological resiliency. And I think that's the really big point here is that we give people an opportunity to plan ahead of time so they don't have to just be eating like a you know a beggar. They have what they desire. And how is that landing when you're talking to the regional coordinators, when people actually are going out, they're figuring out an economical way to stockpile their house so they can be prepared. How is that uplifting them to know, hey, I'm ready for this regardless of what happens? Well, you can see a whole difference in people's attitudes. When you get somebody who's first coming in Amcon, they're anxious. They don't think they know anything. They don't understand their own capabilities, number one. They start getting comfortable with what they're learning, and they start feeling like they're not that bad off, that they start being able to determine that they can manage a crisis on their own. You can see who those people are because the light turns on and all of a sudden they're going from taking from the network to giving to the network and teaching other people about resiliency. They start telling each other, you know, this is what I've tried and how I've done it. These are the results I'm getting from it. And it starts going spreading around the whole community where it's not people taking you all the time, it's people helping each other on a day-to-day basis, you'll see that local chapter, it'll start springing forth and growing its own members because they're going out and sharing a good word on their own streets. It's not like we're having to recruit for American contingency in that local area because they're showing each other, they're helping each other in the community, the community seeing these people grow and doing things, and it makes organic growth for them. So I love seeing things like the South Dakota group. They they go out and they do 
weekly hikes with each other. They get together and grow food together. And they're one of the prime examples of the groups that I've seen that have organically grown because they help each other out. And other people in their small communities are seeing it. So they're springing forth and bearing fruit. I have uh, talked directly with the South Dakota group, at least one member in particular, and I won't mention his name because I never asked permission to do so. But I do remember them saying, like, we're very active. We go on hikes. We, we, we are building our community and we're actually friends with each other. And I love how you touched on the hopefulness that you see in people's eyes who come in. They're a little unsure about what they could be doing to get prepared. They don't really know what all the steps are involved. And then over a course of time, they actually become the mentors to other new members who come in you know what do you see within that hopefulness because you talked about income economics we've got the dangers of natural man-made disasters there's a lot of things that can go sideways in someone's life that they could be prepared for and then you bring in this hopefulness aspect when you go to bed at night each day saying you know has an amcon stepped up and helped somebody it sounds like you've got a lot of direct stories that have to do with this hopefulness and this light turning on and for people realizing they're not alone when they're willing to step into a community that it was founded on this idea of getting off the bench and making sure you were your own first responder yep i mean number one i probably i probably talk to amcon members personally on a day-to-day basis I probably spend four to six hours a day talking on, on to different members. I travel, I try my best to travel to see the different groups in their home areas and let them know that Ampon is here for them. We'll talk to them and let them know from my personal experience what we've got, what we've got going on, what I've seen from other people do things. And as you do that, you can see the difference of how they change. They become more secure in themselves and they, develop plans they talk to other members across the nation you know at first when people join they're worried about themselves then as they start learning more that spreads out and they help their community and then as the community starts getting more comfortable the group the chapter spreads to the state level and you start seeing people in the states get together say alabama alabama's my home state i'll brag on it a little bit Alabama gets together as a state probably three times a year. And we've started going from having five or six members meeting up across the state to we now we have this last camp out we had down here in my area. We had 48 adults, seven children, two dogs and a cat at a camp out. And we, awesome. had a, and we had a great weekend of just sitting around the campfire, sharing meals, talking to each other, becoming a community, getting to know each other face to face, you know, smiling, hugging each other's necks, letting each other know that we're there if, if we're needed. That kind of stuff, it makes a difference. I mean, if people don't have a closeness with their family or somebody else, it makes a difference to have that kind of a a relationship with folks makes a huge difference. And that's one of the things we're going to close out on is this difference that we can make. Given the current state of affairs, there's a lot of people and not just in this country, but as the planet at large that are just super worried about their trajectory of where this planet, where our country is going. How do you feel about the current state of our union and the world as a whole, really, Mike, and what gives you hope for a better future? 
my hope comes from my grandson. You raise good kids, you educate your children in the ways of history, and even though things currently aren't great, you give yourself hope that there is somebody that can come up and change what's going on currently. Um, to me, that's the way I, I'm trying to I'm trying to bring back and the younger folks that I know and the younger people is responsibility for your own actions and patriotism for the, your country. The willingness to give out of yourself to help others and do things to help other people and not, it not always expect something in return. The world itself has got its problems. Yes, it's always had its problems and it'll always go. But, you know, I'm trying to say in a long way, I'm just going to come out and say it. God gives me my hope. He's there for purpose. He put us here. He asked us to do things that he would do. And if you focus on him and work toward being more like him, then the whole world's going to get better. What message do you have for the citizens of the United States and the citizens of planet Earth? What would you like them to hear from you as your last closing statement for this episode? There is hope. American contingency is a good platform to learn how to get there. It's a good community. But it has to start with you. You have to be the change. You have to be willing to focus on what you can do for others, not just what you can get out of it. And the American contingency can help you focus on how to help yourself, your family, your nation. It only is one person at a time. The change starts with one person at a time, and we can build on anything. That is a beautiful message, my friend. Starts with yourself. It moves to your family, your community, your city, your state, your counties in there somewhere, surely your region, your country. There's so it grows from you because the change you want to see starts with a person looking back at you in the mirror. Yep. Come see us at AmericanContingency.com. There you go, my friends. It starts with you, the person looking back in the mirror. Be the change you want to see in the world. Start with you. Move it to your family. Then we get into your local community, your environment, your county, your city, your state, your country. It's all there. It's available for you at AmericanContingency.com because we are here to help people move from uncertainty to some level of certainty in what can be a chaotic world. So when you're ready to build the skills, the network, and the confidence to be ready for whatever comes next, join us at AmericanContingency.com. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Oh,